Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 266. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of She-Hulk Attorney at Law episode 7, The Retreat. Written by or directed by Anu Valia, written by Zeb Wells. This series was created for television by Jessica Gao and She-Hulk Attorney at Law is a Kevin Feige production. Before all of that fun begins, want to let you know about Fan Show Plus. That is the podcast where you can hear us talking about additional MCU topics like the big news this week that at long last it actually is happening. Ryan Reynolds is going to be a de- in Deadpool 3 obviously bringing it to the MCU but he's not coming alone. He's bringing Hugh Jackman with him with Hugh Jackman reprising the role of Wolverine. So we're going to talk about that. Where can you find that conversation? All you have to do is become a premium subscriber, whether that's at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus, you can find it there and subscribe to the show so that you can get that episode and many, many more. And then also remember to follow us in the places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to leave their review. And now, on with our show. How are you doing, Paul Herman? I am doing very well. I'm uh, exhausted from running around this morning, but it's it's all worth it because uh, I'm excited to talk about She-Hulk. I'm excited to talk about the uh, all the MCU fan show plus stuff we're going to talk about later. I mean, I am I'm giddy, so I'm ready to do this. I am also very much ready for this. This is such a huge week. I didn't really think we would have something quite like this for a little while because we just had comic-con a couple months ago and then d23 in uh, a few weeks ago and so it seemed like we were probably going to be good for a while but no we got a lot of mcu news that we'll be getting to over on fan show plus not just the wolverine deadpool 3 news we're going to be talking about some less happy news about blade losing a director and some other news that not necessarily good or bad depending on just where you land on it you and i are both excited about the idea that armor wars is going to be a movie instead of a Disney Plus series. But anyway, it's plenty to talk about, and I look forward to having that conversation after this one, which is about She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 7, The Retreat. So this picks up kind of where we left off. We left off on an impromptu date at the wedding between Jennifer Walters and Josh, and you and I, Paul, were somewhat suspicious of Josh last week, and that uh, proved to be correct. Those suspicions proved to be correct. Josh does indeed suck, as we find out in this episode. But we don't know that yet as we go through the initial dating phase between Jen and Josh and everything is all happy. And they did such a great job, I, I thought, of this. I, I love the shot of just Jennifer getting ready in the, the different sequence through her apartment. I also like that she was taking a shot to take the edge off while she was nervous for her date. And everything just seems so perfect, except, you know, Josh just says the text, I'm here. That's already red flag number one. Doesn't even come to the door. I, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, everything seems so perfect, right? They're having these perfect dates and everything, and they're being respectful, a handshake at the end of the first date. And then, of course, you get to date number three. They sleep together. Josh is gone, and uh, Jennifer Jen sends a text. Uh, that was fun, and can't wait to see him again. 
And that's kind of it. And then days go by and Jen gets no response. So she has been ghosted. Um, all of that stuff I, I thought was really well done. And, and it just sets up Jen for the heartbreak, right? Everything seems so perfect, so easy. It's so not complicated. And then all of a sudden it is. So you, you feel for Jen, but then also the, uh, the comic book movie slash nerd slash superhero, whatever. It's like, okay, we know what Josh was there for. And it wasn't just to sleep with Jen. It was there for the She-Hulk blood. And, and yeah, he, he got it by the end of the episode. Or he got it that night. We find out at the end of the episode. Yeah, this was, um, I, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed uh, how they, they, they wrote this and how they presented this. It, was, it felt very natural um, to me to like, you really, again, uh, Melani is just so good in this role and you really feel the genuine just happiness that Jen has. And I think the, one of the things that I think that I like about this Jen Walters and, you know, again, I haven't read a, a, a massive amount of shield comic books, but the one thing I like about this version of the character, it feels more real, um, relatable. I'd say just for like, just a down to earth, like realistic person and just trying to be as normal as possible. And I really got that impression from this whole, you know, th this whole date thing. And it was just nice to see like, oh man, oh yeah, I forgot how dates were like back, you know, I've been married for a while, you know, all that stuff. And so it's like, oh yeah, okay. And just seeing how like, how the people get butterflies and all that stuff. And you see that, like it's all presented with how she performed, um, you know, perform her performance. And I thought it was really well done. How it was edited, how the music and everything, it was really well done how they did it. And using the, you know, you're really emphasizing the, the text and everything in the and during that whole kind of montage, if you will. Um, it, it really helps you set up for the episode, which I think is kind of something that I didn't, you know, after thinking about it, after watching it, um, it really does set up uh, the uh, the emotional stuff. You could say, quote unquote, emotional stuff later on in the episode, obviously. But it's just it's really well done. It really to me, for me anyway, it, I really got invested with that in the, the, the how they presented it. It's not just you know you expect that something like that to happen, but again, how they presented it, the performances, I thought were really really charming. And it kind of won me over with Jen um, and, and feeling her, you know, her sympathies and, and, and feeling sorry for her. Because that's the one thing I would say through the montage, I did a good job of. And, and you know, I have I always felt sorry for Jen, not necessarily completely all the time, but I really felt it this time. Like they did a great job of really presenting just how like she is, how desperate she is to get um, you know, this relationship and, and, and fall in love and things like that. Like people that and a lot of, not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, desire in their life and having a partner and having, sharing that with somebody and seeing that reflective in Jen, how, you know, and that's, you know, something that she obviously really wants and, and, and desires and, and how like, that's, it could be devastating and seeing all that in what, like five minutes, maybe, maybe less than that. I don't even know how long the, the sequence yeah, was. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't even quite get to the devastation yet. It's just the, it's the anxiety, right? I mean, it's the nerves yeah, exactly. of like, yeah. it's first date. You want it to, you want it to work. Cause it seems like it really could based on of course, you know, her and Josh hitting it off at the wedding. And then, all of that, like she's super into it. And also he's super engaged, which of course sets up like when he ghosts her, like he's texting her all the time. And then all of a sudden it, it grinds to a halt. And I, and I think for her, it's just that confusion. And, and really I, like we don't get, uh, there's no real B story in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jen and, and her journey through this with Josh and, uh, or her journey through this without Josh really. 
And so I, I think that like the one time, the one appearance we get from uh, Nikki Ramos has played, you know, wonderfully by Ginger Gonzaga as always. When she's talking about just well, the first twelve hours after you sleep with somebody, it's just going to feel icky. Like it's just this wave that Jen has to ride it out and whatever. But you know, Jen knows she kind of suspects that that something's off, and and she's correct. By the way, she's totally correct. She doesn't know how right she is at this point, but it's just that anxiety, right? You thought you had something, and obviously it was, you know, she was hoping for some type of partnership, some type of romance, and it looked like it was there, and then all of a sudden. Uh, it was gone. But I, I think what I love about this episode is it gives her the opportunity to really explain why she felt the way that she did in this very raw way, even with, you know, giant CG She-Hulk kind of way uh, when we get to the group therapy session later on in the episode. And I just appreciate that it took the time to to mm-hmm. do that and, and really just let Jen be completely vulnerable, as we will see later on uh, in the episode. But while Jen is waiting for that response, days go by, we get to Sunday, and there is a phone call from Emil Blonsky's uh, attorney, or sorry, parole officer, Jen is Blonsky's attorney, which Jen correctly deduces, well, you can't be calling your uh, parolee's uh, lawyer on a Sunday for a good reason. And we have parole officer Chuck Chuck Donnellan, played by John Piricello, who was really great on Barry while he was on that show. So I was happy to see him pop up here. And there has been a malfunction on Blonsky's inhibitor. Remember, that was part of his parole deal that he cannot become abomination. And so the parole officer doesn't have the resources to bring a bunch of cops with him to Blonsky's retreat. He needs backup just in case the reason why the inhibitor has been tripped up is because Blonsky has been has become abomination again. Chuck Donnellan needs a Hulk, and he recruits She-Hulk. And it's also better for Blonsky's attorney to be there anyway. So it all works out. Also, a quick little throwaway line from the parole officer there saying the whole place is is full of weirdos, and we will meet some of that group later on in this episode. Uh, So Jen hits the road to meet the parole officer there at Blonsky's retreat, and he is, uh, and she's also rocking out to Mbop. Okay, Uh, but doing whatever she can to distract herself from the fact that there still is no reply from uh, from that text. So we get to the retreat and here's what's going on with Blonsky. We don't know what happened with his inhibitor. It must have shorted out. He did get a jolt from an electric fence because he was rescuing his favorite chicken, Princess Silkfeather. I just Tim Roth was so good in this. I love him as the Zen Emil Blonsky. He is so awesome when we get to the retreat and we just see his total new way of life making. I mean, or so he's making it seem. We can talk more about Blonsky's intentions and whether or not what he's showing Jen Walters and us right now as the audience of whether or not that's the full extent of who he is now. But I think Tim Roth in this role as the Zen Emil Blonsky uh, full of platitudes that sound good and, and sound super meaningful, but all, are ultimately meaningless. All of that stuff I'm totally here for. He is just a total blast. And I also like him throughout, like giving Jennifer crap about, oh, like, did you get, yeah, oh, you got a text. And then, no, she didn't. Because uh, there's no service at this place where uh, where Blonsky has his retreat. I am a little bummed that we didn't get to see his better eighths again, because, you know, they were uh, his, <laughs> Blonsky's seven soulmates. I was a little bummed that they didn't get a chance to make a cameo because they are the ones who bought him this land, but maybe he ghosted them just like Josh ghosted Jen. Who knows? 
Uh, but this whole thing with the retreat, before we get ev- even get into the rest of the group or that bunch of weirdos that the parole officer talked about, uh, this whole sequence with between Blonsky and Jen uh, was was great. And also the parole officer just like peeling out of that place because he can't, can't get out of there fast enough uh, because uh, obviously terrified of abomination, I, I suppose for good reason. But this whole initial setup with the retreat was uh, was a lot of fun. And I, I just love this version of Tim Roth playing Blonsky. It, it's just it's just too good. It's so entertaining. So I, I the plot about Blonsky, I'm not sure if you want to say that for later or not. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, Tim Roth is just he, you could you could just tell that like he is lo- is loving the material that he's been given, and he it, it just seems like he's having a good time. I don't know, like it, it just feels right. Um, after being so serious and, you know, in that first Incredible Hulk movie, which I think he's fine and he's good um, and everything. But like it, seeing this version of, of Blonsky is just I love it. And like you said, Sean, and I, we'll, we'll get into that later, I think. Right. But I will. We'll, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, I loved all this. Uh, I loved all the, the anxiety, all what she's feeling. Everything from you know with She-Hulk and everything, it's it's perfect setup for what we're getting in this. And I love the fact, you know, you know, here's the thing I will say about Blonsky really quick. I wonder if the seven eights are like you said, they're ghosted. Either it's either one or the other, right? Or it's either going to be those are they're all real and it's he's really turned a new leaf and this is a new abomination, or that's all cover for the intelligentsia, whatever, right? Like. I don't know which one it is yet, but it's either one or the other. I don't know, um, but I know which one I hope it is. I genuinely I hope, because we're about to talk about a lot of good stuff in this episode, yes. and I want it to be real. I don't At want 1,000%. The, I 1, do not want this to be the setup of a betrayal. And, and I know like this is the first moment where I kind of was like, you know, just tick my head up like, hmm, like when Blonsky is like, oh, the inhibitor got tripped up. Oh, I did feel, you know, the, well, he's playing kind of dumb with it. Like, well, I did feel a jolt when I was rescuing my favorite chicken. So like, that's the part that I was like, because eh. he knows, right? I mean, you could certainly right. say that, look, he, Blonsky knows that if this happens on a Sunday uh, or even any day, his lawyer's probably going to be involved. And so if he wanted to get Jen there, also, if he wanted to isolate Jen, there's no Wi-Fi available. There's no cell reception, but obviously there has to be internet there. If in, if intelligentsia is being run from there, um, or even if it's any sort of base for intelligentsia, so yeah, there are certain things. But there's also just that tendency we have as we watch these things to kind of suspect everyone, but especially somebody who's been an antagonist in a previous MCU story. So it makes sense that we would suspect Blonsky. But, um, you know, the absence of the soulmates doesn't necessarily that really didn't trip me up. I mean, I just took that as right. The group we're about to have the group therapy and it's way more about them and Jen than just having the the seven soulmates just kind of waving again uh, like they did at the parole hearing. So I think it's just a matter of also just budget. Eh, Don't need to pay that many actors to show up uh, for the same thing if we're just going to do a quick little cameo, although. That wouldn't really have been that much budgetarily speaking. But um, yeah, I, that wasn't necessarily the part of Trip Me Up. It was just how simple it was to get Jen there that you think, oh, it's just a little too easy. But um, yeah, with what we're about to talk about, I want to believe so badly that this is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk 100%. about it. What do yes. what, what do we hope is real? So as uh, 
Blonsky is walking Jen to her car. All of a sudden, there's a fight between somebody named Manbull and somebody named El Aguila, and they smash her Prius Prime, uh, and then Jen is now stuck there. She's not going to be able to drive away, which also, again, trips up, uh, trips the alarms, right? Now, Blonsky has engineered such a thing to, uh, or it makes you wonder, has Blonsky engineered this, or are these guys all doing this to keep Jen there in order to give her the illusion that they are bonding with her, and then, of course, they will betray her, whatever the case may be. But it does feel kind of unnecessary because Josh already got her blood, so I don't really know what necessarily the point would be, um, although, again, it's just hard not to to be a little suspicious. But I want it to be... I want this to be real. I want this to be genuine because Manbull and El Aguila and the rest of the group that we are about to meet, they are so, so good. And they are also so good to Jen that I just want it to be real. And Jen deserves that win. She really does deserve mm-hmm. for uh, for that moment to be uh, that we'll get to to be authentic. But before we get into the group therapy, Jen, uh, she's offered time to to go in the yurt for 20 minutes. She doesn't want to do that for her own spiritual awakening. She passes on that. She wanders around looking for cell reception, hoping there's a return text from Josh. No luck there. But then she stumbles her way into a group therapy session. So there's Blonsky again, along with Manbull, who's played by Nathan Hurd, El Aguila, played by Joseph Castillo Midiet. And then we meet two additional characters, Porcupine, J- uh, Jordan Aaron Ford, and Saracen, who thinks he's a vampire, played by Terrence, I'm not sure if it's Clow or Clo. Um, and they're all working through their stuff. And then another person joins the group. It's Wrecker, Nick Gomez, who they we were introduced to at the end of, uh, what was that, episode two, uh, mm-hmm. when they attacked She-Hulk. I love that they did a mid-episode previously on, rather oh, than spoiling this great. guy's return. At, in the initial previously on, I love that so, so much. And it's because of the structure and it's because of the fourth wall breaking, you know, meta nature of She-Hulk that they got to do it. So I get to give them all a thank you for not spoiling that moment because I totally would have expected it had they shown that previously on. So I'm so glad that they skipped it. And She-Hulk just responds in anger, throwing him across the room. So she's ordered to sit in the calming chair. She doesn't ultimately have to do that. Uh, but when she sits down next to Wrecker and he talks about how it didn't set out to be a supervillain, and she points out, well, that's exactly what you and your buddies were doing. All of that was great. My favorite thing, though, that line delivery by Nick Gomez being like, I take radical accountability for what I've done. And I'm sorry. <laughs> what is radical accountability? I didn't oh. I didn't even know accountability could be radical, but I, I love it. <laughs> so oh uh, next time I have to say sorry for something, I'm taking radical accountability. Uh, that is for sure. That, that's going to be the move. Um, just a, a couple other things I, I want to highlight before we kind of get into the meat of the ther- of the therapy. But uh, the Blonskyisms and the quotes that are in posters behind Jen. One of them is, says, "Today is today." I love that. Oh, that cracks me up. Oh my god! <laughs> today is today, everyone. Uh, the other one, make your goal a reality. Oh, fine, whatever. But today is today is my favorite. That, it's that's the best. That is so good, uh, and so many things like the infighting. I, I love. I mean, we saw the the battle between Manbull. And El Aguila. Oh, I also like his like mechanical bull joke that he made when he was told to you know push the car into yeah. the garage. Uh, oh. That was awesome, especially everybody giving him crap for it because clearly he'd worked on that and yeah, waited a long waited, time nope, to nope. drop that out. Even when Jen hits him for it, he's like, "You too." Uh, that was so great. 
the codependency that the group calls out between Manbold oh and El Aguila and the fact Shit that they're you? sitting sitting next oh. to each other and they need to switch places. Oh, man. All of that was so good. And then, you know, El Aguila, his identity issues, not a matador. Uh, Porcupine, not knowing that Spanish is more than a language, couldn't put two and two together with the existence oh of Spain. Uh, oh, my God. There's just so many funny moments in this. Like, I love this group so, so much. And, uh, they, and they also do a lot for Jen, which, again, is why... I really, really want this to be real, but this Word. group is so good. And, and you know, and Porcupine, uh, even as inspired by Jen, gets to work through his own vulnerability issues uh, with taking off the mask, although then needing to put it back on because it's been too long since it's been off. Uh, all of that stuff was just so good. And, uh, oh, and by the way, Saracen is the smartest person in the room because Saracen actually calls it that Josh wanted Jen's blood. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was this whole scene. Now, I like the episode. You know, I thought well, one thing I wanted to really highlight what you said earlier, Sean, that I think was was nice change of pace was the fact that this is not, there's no B story, right? It's a straight ahead. It's all Jen. And it was nice to have that. And, you know, and I like variety in these shows, right? And anything like these kinds of things with MCU or Star Wars or whatever, it, you can't just have the same thing over and over again. We need to have, you know, fresh takes. And I think with, even within itself, you need to have, like, if you're doing a show, you to have like, you know, you can't just have B stories all the time just for the sake of doing it. And I really did feel that this this episode in general flourished because it was focused on just one story. And we got to this point where we got to Man Bull and El Aguilera, was, if I think his name, I'm getting terrible with names. Um, El Aguila. El Aguila, excuse me. He, like, when they first come, we show up, it's a little awkward for me. It, it, it felt like they were really trying to hammer things home a little too much. But when we, when they all got back to the, the group session, that's when everything came alive, everyone. Mm-hmm. And the writing was, has, was, I thought just impeccable. And I don't know if, if there's any, I would not be shocked if there's ad living in here. Cause it was, oh my God, that this was hilarious. Everyone was great. And one of the things I'm going to say, and this, I said this very beginning of before we even watched the series. And I said, one of the things I'm excited for, She-Hulk is going to be establishing other kinds of superpowered people outside of these movies of like mainstream heroes where we have to get a series to get to know that there are other villains and heroes out there, right? And so this is a great example of establishing now like just like in the Marvel comic books, there's all these heroes and these you know things everywhere. Even Manbull's like, oh, is it? It's some experiment gone wrong. It's a don't, long story, you know. Yeah. Like they don't even have to, don't have to worry about it. They're establishing the like porcupine. Like what the hell is that? Like what we don't. That's the best part. We don't now. You're establishing that to the mainstream audience. Oh, these people just exist to exist now. That's cool. They don't have to worry about like what's the origin. Like they don't need that now. Because you're establishing there's all these people who are now there because of the Avengers and all this stuff. And you just accept it. You can just you don't have to explain over explain everything. Now you can just have fun and have new characters like this show up. And that's freaking awesome. I think it's honestly not just for She-Hulk, but for other shows, too, to be quite honest. So I don't know. I think this is actually doing a lot of um, heavy lifting, I think, for the MCU and shows in general, just, you know, just for what they're doing here uh, by itself. Now. The scene itself is phenomenal. I was dying laughing. And, and, and listen, I there are parts of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've laughed out loud a lot of. But I did not laugh out loud a lot during MCU stuff, to be honest. Even some of like the funnier things in the show and movies and things like that. It takes a while for me to really think things are funny. I was straight up 
almost rolling. I was laying, kind of laying down on my couch, just chilling out. And I was like grabbing my stomach, laughing so hard during these scenes. And my wife was like, what are you watching down there? What are you laughing? I was like, oh my God, new She-Hulk. And she's rolled her eyes. I'm like, I'm being serious. New She-Hulk's legit. And the thing is, you it was such a real, like, real world MCU, quote unquote, Sean, uh, conversation that I loved it. And I just, I think one of the things that I thought was so great was you had these all, it wasn't just the same kind of like superhero. There are so many different characters. You had the vampire and you had the, you know, the costumed hero, like porcupine who had like the spikes and everything and the mask. And, uh, you had the, you know, the mutation guy, you had like the guy who had superpowers that you really know, you know, El Aguila is a, a mutant, by the way, which I, I read comics with him in it, um, with Power Man and Iron Fist years ago. A very forgettable character. But when he has like a sword, he's like, you know, he, he tries to impress people. Oh my God, I was dying laughing. Yeah. Like it was perfect. Well, it's holding and, like, I am a swashbuckler. You say that like it's a job. Like you running around here waving a sword is not a job. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. And this is written by Zeb Wells. And Zeb Wells is, he's, he's worked in Hollywood too, but I know him mainly from writing comic books. He's actually writing the the, the latest Amazing Spider-Man run um, for the main series of, of Spider-Man. And it's been mostly good, but um, I'm very familiar with his work because I've, I've read so many of his comic books. He's a solid writer. I was really impressed how, and I know he's written shows and things like that, but this was, I was really impressed how he wrote this. And I'm sure, obviously, there was input from everybody else, but I was really impressed with this episode. It was really well done. I loved every single character they introduced and this whole group therapy session, like you said, the today is today. I was rolling at that man. And I, I took a picture and put it on, you know, I had to, I had to take a picture of this. It's so per, today is today. Is so it, it so sums up the Blonsky that we're showing right now. Yeah. That we're being shown that I'm like, I just that well, that that I, by itself, Sean, is why I want it to be real. It's just I the best to touch, too, that he credits the quotes to himself, too. Like he actually yeah. has the <laughs> meal Blonsky written under it. So like at his oh, own God. retreat, he's got his quotes plastered everywhere and he makes sure that he provides the right credit oh, to himself. It's so it's, it is so good. And, and I love like even some of the stuff that's just more throwaway when he talks about earlier in the episode when. He was kind of giving Jen a little bit more of the tour and talking about over here is where we have, you know, the life coaching session. He's like, that's for our premium members. Like, it's just so funny. And, and like Blonsky, I, I love our premium members. So I, I yes, totally yes. understand. No life coaching yet on uh, on Fan Show Plus, but maybe coming soon. Uh, <laughs> but for all the fun that happens in this scene and even like them breaking down the text oh, message sequence. Was, that was the best part. Which was that just was so incredible. real, but then like the uh, you know breaking down the text that we of, of course saw the you know that was fun and can't wait to see you again or whatever it was that she had said, <laughs> and then like like that's thirsty or whatever <laughs> porcupine <laughs> says, um, but I like the way that like okay so we we have fun with it and everybody kind of like cringes at the text message that she sent. <laughs> but it even goes back to because like Jen, if you go back to when she sent the text, she didn't really know what exactly to say. And because you don't know what to say, right? Like you're just you're, you're trying to get the point across. And this is what El Aguila uh, distills here. Like, OK, like you let you let him know that it was game on and then nothing. Right. No response. And uh, Wrecker being the one to kind of like kind of sounds like he ghosted you. uh Oh. as they break down and then what was the other text oh when they're trying well she was so worried just then that she sent the text of like 
you know, just checking it like, oh, just getting a little worried. Hope you're hope everything's OK. And then with like the blushing face emoji and they all lose it at that. I know, like, dude, I was. Oh, my God. Because even Jen <laughs> knows she lost it at that. Um, You just, oh. you know, you, you just can't. So all of that was just so on the money and, and so much fun. And like I said, I was I was cracking up. But then like it's all for. It's all for naught if you don't get something. Well, I mean, all of that is as funny as, as it is. It's still very real. But then to get yeah. the vulnerability from Jen, that goes into things that we've been talking about, and you know the these themes of self acceptance, self love, and and for Jen, it's it's been uh, in a way that's so different, right? She had to love and embrace She Hulk, but then she also still wants to love Jen and and be loved as Jen as she breaks it down here. And it's so funny because you go back to the trailer where she had that line of like, do you ever have that cooler friend in high school? You know, everything was perfect, whatever. And she, you know, points out, you know, to herself as She-Hulk. I don't know what I thought that scene was going to be when I watched the trailer, but it definitely didn't cue me up for what that actually was with her breaking it down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she says... She likes being loved as She-Hulk, and it's a lot of fun, but she also says it feels like cheating because Mm. she wants to be the person that she always was and be loved as the person that she always was as Jen. And it's such a great performance by Tatiana Maslany, as per usual, and also just a great job. I think the CG looked great here, so clearly Mm -hmm. they spent a lot of time making sure that the CG could uh, hold up with this performance uh, and it was the better for it for sure. So all of that was really great. But then, I, cause I, I think it's easy for us to say like, just like all the platitudes that Blonsky throws out there, it's easy to say, love yourself, accept yourself. And of course it is, you know, love yeah. yourself with, and then others will love you. And, and all of the things that we we know in our heads and we we say to ourselves or we say to others to make each other feel better. And, and it's not like it's meaningless when we say it. Like it's a very, these are all very real ideas, but mm-hmm. it all falls into the category of easier said than done. And it doesn't mm-hmm. change the point that other things still hurt. Like rejection still hurts. And this one hurts so much more for Jen because as she points out, she wanted to be loved as Jen, right? Like the person I was before She-Hulk came along I thought was pretty great. And I still think that person is pretty great. And it felt nice to, but, you know, wanting that, some of that validation and, and wanting, and it felt good when guys were into She-Hulk, but then having it, uh, you know, embarrassingly pointing out in, in a courtroom that, in at least in, in one case for sure, like, well, they only like She-Hulk. They didn't like all of me. They only liked a part of me. And I want them to like this other part too, and here was a guy who seemed like he did. And she even says, like, that felt good. Like, that felt great. Uh, and that's what she's losing with Josh having ghosted her. So all of that's very real. Like, Jen, and they, uh, the group does a good job of, you know, pumping Jen back up and, and letting her know. And, and also talking about, and Porcupine even gets into that idea. Like, well, you can't worry about the things you can't control. And obviously, you can't control other people. Like, you got to love Jen and, and everything and, and Jen knows that, and it certainly makes her feel better to be reminded of that. Also, Saracen has a great line. I bet Jen is pretty damn great and tasty. And then he says, bail me out because <laughs> he lost it. Uh, just amazing way to just, you know, break the tension uh, of that scene and, and Jen bearing her soul. But all of that I thought was so well done 
for this character in this moment to hear what she needs to hear and, and you know, hear that talk about self-love and, and self-acceptance and, and not and and really again don't worry about the things you can't control and that's also why you can't really seek validation through others because you can't control whether or not they're actually going to give it to you and if you place all of your self-worth in that then it can disappear very quickly as it did for Jen in those moments so all of that is, it's all well and good. It's all very true. It's all worth hearing and repeating and all of those things, but it doesn't change the fact that these sorts of things still come up and they still hurt because um, they can't feel good for a moment. And then when they go away, uh, they can hurt really, really badly as it did with Jen there. So I, I, I love the the honesty, the authenticity of this whole moment, the good and the bad in, in that journey of, uh, of, of loving yourself. I thought this was really well written again like you you go you have the highs of the of the the humor to really bring you to this i think really relatable moment of like you said sean how that whole thing that the, the trailer has with the you know like when you have that best friend and, and you know and they everyone that, that, that person that can just be everything you want them to be and then you can just turn into them at any time it, it it's really fascinating to like have it Pre, uh, presented that to I think to us in the audience and it's one thing to have it to do that and have you be like show all these clips of like her being super powered and super awesome but then have it when in the real context of the show have someone be vulnerable with it it's it's really interesting and I really thought that it was really really perfect to be honest I I thought it was it was something that I, I, you know, again, again, it's, these are these are these are things that are all relatable, and I love the dual identity they keep really hammering on, and and Jen is is slowly getting to understand what that means and finding out for herself what she's comfortable with, and I love that she had, to, you know, it took it took people helping her come to that realization, because I think there's a lot of of cool real life things you could get from this, because one, I think it shows you that if, you know, in a group and having people help you, like you can really learn from that. I mean, I know maybe that sounds cheesy to people or that sounds dumb for some people out there, but it's true. I mean, it really shows you that Jen was not receptive. She didn't think she, none of these people had anything to offer. And it shows you that when you let yourself be vulnerable and you take your walls down and you listen to people, you can learn. And, and again, I, I, it's harder for, I, I don't always listen to people. I'll be the first to admit that. And it's hard, but when you, when you do more often than not, you're going to have a moment of not Zen, but a moment of realization and just kind of understanding of yourself. And that's something that I think that is so critical for so many people, including myself. I definitely, I have these issues with myself. And I think it's great that they show that like a, a character like Jen is was finding that even though she didn't want that like she was totally like you guys are all like ridiculous i'm not like that and they pretty much through talking with her she yeah, kind of they called her you know, out exactly and i think that's the thing when was she really was nice. like i'm fine and everybody was like Ooh, and they're Ooh, just yeah, yeah yeah calling her out for being glued to her phone and, and all of those things and and i think it's great that you know being what helped i mean hey that's why group therapy can be a thing right is like yeah jen doesn't know them Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's I mean, they were being vulnerable in front of her and that kind of uh, I, I'm sure that helped. But really, I think for Jen, it was just getting started. And then once she got started, like then she couldn't stop. Like all of it just came out, all of that truth that, you know, they suspected was there and, and she knew was there, but was just kind of denying and, and not wanting to talk through. But I think it was the fact that she was in this setting 
with these guys that you know she doesn't know or barely knows, I guess, in the case of Blonsky, and still felt you know felt that it was safe enough to be there and, and share that information without fear of judgment, and they did not judge her in those moments. I mean, judge her romantic text messaging strategy, but other than that, they didn't really have any judgments toward her, and there was something that was very refreshing about that just as a viewer, but then also, yeah, for for Jennifer Walters. And that's why I want this to be real, by the way. Like, that's why yeah. it would be... It would be so heartbreaking, and I know you could say, well, that's that's just Jen's lot in life, is that every time something feels good, it's got to be set up by, it's set up for heartbreak, but I don't want that to always be the case for Jen, and I don't really necessarily think the show needs that. Like, I think this was such a beautiful thing that I want it to be real. I don't want this to be, this was a, all a ploy to get closer to Jen um, and, you know, break down her walls and, and have her be vulnerable just so that they can prey upon her. Like, I, I don't want that to, because, I don't know, I almost feel like that contradicts some of the message of this episode. Um, and, and that's the other thing, is there's so much beautiful messaging here that I don't want it to be undone to where Jen says, see, this is what you get when you're vulnerable, is every yeah. everybody mm-hmm. betrays you, not just Josh, but everybody in group therapy betrays you if you share something a, a, about yourself. And so that... I really hope that doesn't end up becoming the takeaway of this sequence. And it doesn't really need to be like, I also don't understand what Blonsky's motive would be. I mean, I know that, okay, he'll explain whatever his motive is, right? Like he wants to be abomination, but he wants to be a better version of abomination or something. But I'm like, what would be the point of that exactly? Like, I don't know. Like, it seems like he's already pretty good as abomination. Like he's mastered the ability to change at will uh, change back and forth, which it didn't seem like he was going to be immediately able to do when we saw him in The Incredible Hulk. So um, I, I don't know. I, I I know they could explain a motive and they can make it make sense in all of those things. And it's natural to be suspicious because we're talking about Blonsky, an antagonist in The Incredible Hulk. We're talking about Wrecker, who's already attacked Jen once in this series. So all of that uh, seems like it could have, uh, you know, all of that seems like it could align. It could make sense in a story, but I don't think that that would have nearly as much value as what we just saw and letting that be real. So let whoever's going to attack Jen attack. And, uh, but I, I hope it's not Blonsky because then I would, I would love to see at the end of this, I would love to see this group, like the group therapy Avengers or whatever you want to call them. Like, I would love to see them come to Jen, like Jen's aid at some point in this series. Uh, oh, if, yeah, if Jen dude. is attacked, that's something I would love to see. And I feel like that would be so much more uplifting and, and so much more fun to watch than to have this group uh, show up again and, and attack Jen out of nowhere. No, that's a really, really well said. And I think I think there's ways you can make Blonsky if it if, if it's not completely like real. There's elements of a real that are real, and that's what I, I kind of tend to, to think about it. Honestly, I think there could be that duality with the Abomination and Blonsky. That maybe when he's uh, Blonsky or when he's an Abomination, that he really is, you know, almost like a Jekyll and Hyde, if you will. Like it's like Abomination smart enough to maybe like use Blonsky to to his advantage and, and makes. Blonsky think he's in control when he's not. That's what I'm maybe thinking that they could do. Um, that's a, that's a, I think that's a very decent possibility, especially with the fact that, you know, remember who's responsible for the abomination to exist in, in the first place. It's the leader. 
Right. So the leader could very well be manipulating the abomination from that the monster side, and then Blonsky's just like, oh, what? you know, whatever. I mean, I, I totally could yeah. see that happening. But, but yeah, if I, you have the leader in the show, I don't even think you need Blonsky to be on the team. Like, I think exactly. Yeah. If yeah. we're gonna say Blonsky is like the main big bad of the series, then. Okay, but I, I would still kind of I, I would still question that, uh, or at least I, I I wouldn't feel as good about it. Maybe I'm not supposed to feel good, and maybe that's the whole point. I don't know, but it would certainly change the way I view this episode, and and I don't necessarily want to have to change the way I view this episode. I thought this was such a, a good moment, such a great scene with all of this group therapy that I I wanted to be upheld and. I don't know, like the message they've given us with Blonsky so far is he is in control when he's Abomination because he that's switches fair. back at will. So that's the where I get it gets a little tricky. Well, that's why I'm saying Abomination could be manipulating his own like oh, yeah, to self. make him think he's in control. But exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, or the other thing could be is it could be more complex than that. It could be like exactly. Jen. All of that stuff was real. All of that stuff remains. But I also need this. Uh, like I, yeah. I don't know. It, it could. There could be ways of, of setting it mm -hmm. up. But I kind of hope that's not really the vibe here. I, I really do hope that it's uh, that this was real. And, and and I don't know why. I never thought in my life I would want Emil Blonsky to just be a great life coach slash group therapist. Yeah. Like I never thought that's what I, I never wanted. Thought it but either. but yeah. it was so good in this episode. Uh, and and something about it was so real. Like just everything about them rooting for her like okay delete josh's number and all of that to just put you know that closure on that situation and then jen being hurting for a yurton and then they cheer her as she comes out and they have a you know like a bunch of kids they made her a goodbye card we love jen and she hulk signed the gang and uh blonsky wants to make it clear because he's in parole they're not an actual gang uh, all of that was just so good. And and that's why I wanted to be real. And, and I love the message that they wrote her. We love Jen and She-Hulk because I still think that is Jennifer Walters' journey in this. Like she resisted She-Hulk, didn't really want, just refused to acknowledge that as part of her identity. It's a thing that it's not who I am. It's a thing that happened to me. And then when that identity was threatened, when that very name was threatened, she fought for it and she was able to keep it. And so she did embrace She-Hulk, but then it just left this other side of it with uh, with Jen. Well, now that I now that I love She-Hulk, what does that mean for Jen? I still love Jen, but nobody else seems to, as she points out uh, in this episode and some of the stuff we've seen prior. And this is kind of that journey for her of embracing both sides of it. And I think maybe that's part of why she has struggled to find someone. Not that she even needs to find anyone, but part of that struggle has been finding people who love both, but I mean, she has people in her life who love her as Jen and She-Hulk. She has Nikki who loves her as Jen and as She-Hulk. She has this entire group now uh, that loves Jen and She-Hulk. And, and now it's really more about Jen loving Jen and She-Hulk. Uh, and again, I know, very easy thing to say, much harder thing to do, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. And that's, I, I think, part of what makes this so, uh, all of the story so rich and meaningful and, and just emotionally compelling. And uh, there's a moment that I, I definitely want to highlight. And you could call it, you know, or I don't know if it's, I, I don't know who went for it, if it's uh, Anuvalia, the director, or wherever the idea came from. But all the smiles, all the hugs, everything, all the warm and fuzzies to for Jen to say goodbye as she climbs into the tow truck. But then the camera lingers when she's there in that side view mirror. And it's the first time we see Jen, because we don't see her in the yurt, 
where we see her just kind of have this quiet moment to herself where she doesn't know that anyone is watching. She doesn't know that anyone is seeing her. Like she's not looking back in the mirror at the camera or anything. So it's this moment that's just Jen by herself. And it's not, and this is Tatiana Maslany from a performance. It's not a smile. It's not all the smiles and all the warm and fuzzies and everything that she just felt as she was saying goodbye. It is just kind of this quiet contemplation and reflection. And it's not even like, it's not happiness. It's not sadness. It's just kind of taking in all that she has just experienced and all that has just kind of been revealed and living with that in that moment. And it just shows all of these feelings are still complicated. So for everything that, all the encouragement that she got, all the uplifting words and today is today from Blonsky and the group, all of those things were were great and had value. But at the end of the day, you are left with yourself with how you are going to choose to move forward. And I, I think that is where that's what that moment plays to me for Jen. And it's not even necessarily a clear indication of exactly what she's thinking, exactly what she's feeling, but it's just quietly contemplating and reflecting on, on all of this and, and figuring out how she's going to move forward. Uh, and I love that they took the moment to do that because this is a character that is almost always aware that she's being seen, whether it's because she's interacting with other characters or she's interacting with us, with the audience. So to see her kind of away from that just for a brief moment, I, I thought that was a great choice and a, and a great performance with the way it all was portrayed. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think that this was a perfect ending for She-Hulk as a character because you really start to feel that Jen is figuring out who she is now with this new uh, part of her life with She-Hulk. Um, and I think it's it, the show, I think, is earning this uh, this transformation re really well. I honestly do. And I think that seeing Jen struggle emotionally and and being not just kind of not feeling calm. Just, there's, there's like a she's just kind of like very frantic and very almost chaotic, if you will. And you see you're seeing her throughout this whole series start to kind of come together literally. And, and there is that franticness where she's like seeking, seeking, seeking. And now it's like, Oh, maybe like I have to just accept this. And, and I don't know. I, I love, like you said, like how we see her at the end of this episode is a great, is a great way of, of showing us that she's starting to accept who she is. And here's the best part. I think of what the show is giving us is that they're going to challenge that coming up, right? Like the show is going to challenge that like with Josh, with, you know, this whole intelligentsia, the fact they've crossed now from Jen, from Jen into, um, uh, the, the intelligentsia has gone after both She-Hulk and Jen basically now together. And it's They're going to really put that at, the, you know, the show is going to show us and the conflict's going to be the external stuff. But I think they're going to really challenge the fact that, you know, it's going to challenge her as a person to like, are they different? Who is better? They're going to come at, they're going to come at her at an emotional level. And I'm, and where I love where the show is going is it's going to show, you know, she's a hero. I'm hoping she's going to stand over the, the, um, the uh, the upcoming uh, trials because just like this is where it gets relatable and I say all this because what any th any time you make it you know you're working on something that you, that you're struggling with it's never just going to be like perfect from the moment you decide or things get yeah. better it's not a straight line get tested. exactly it's going to get tested and that's the thing about She Hulk I think we're going to get and again. I love that idea because these are things that are relatable for so many different levels and people out there who are struggling with anything, this is how it works. And you're going to, you're, you're going to feel good because you made a step and they're going to, you're going to be, there's going to be tests. You're going to be, you're going to be, you know, trials 
and it's going to put your, you know, everything on the, on the move and you're going to have to figure things out and, and you have to push things through. And that's what Seahawk's going to have to do. And I'm really excited to see growth in that. And I think this, this is the one thing that show, I think people don't talk about enough. You know, people love the rant and raves. They don't like it. You don't have to like the show. I get it. But one of the things I think people don't give it credit for if they are watching it at all is that they are doing a great job of showing and, and, and I think giving a great example of someone struggling and overcoming a internal struggle. And that's really important. She doesn't, yeah, you know, she hasn't over, she hasn't overcome a lot of physical struggles yet because that's not what they're going for. And if you're looking for that, then might not be, you know, maybe go watch, you know, Incredible Hulk 2008 again, which again, I love the movie, but this isn't that type of show at this point. And we're going to have that, I think in a couple of weeks, but Right now, I love this internal struggle that we're getting, and it's just really cool to see a different side of duality of superheroes and in a different form of not just beating people up, but like actually like existing in the world. And I think that's what the group represents. That's what Jen represents. And I love that. It's just so much great metaphors for, I think, real life and parallels with real life as well. So, yeah, great stuff here. I love this uh, the end of this episode. Yeah, I thought it was really great. I mean, before we get to like the end to end with the three days prior, but like I, I thought this was such a great setup. And I, and I think that's why I, I liked that moment in, in the tow truck was just, okay, like it's just because we've had certain things revealed and there's been a lot of healing that's happened here. It doesn't mean all is well forever. Like it is, it, it, it is constant work. It is, you know, a continuing journey. And, and yes, like there are steps forward, there are backslides and, and all of those things that, that go into it, which is why I think it's such uh, a refreshing and very honest portrayal of it. And that's, why I, I love it so much and I, I think it's so enjoyable and I think that even in the moments where it's not particularly enjoyable or not particularly fun what is enjoyable about it is the authenticity within and, and so I, I think all of that stuff is is working so well and and it just made me think you know if Blonsky is still involved in this story but you have another person like the leader for example one of the best ways you can help yourself is also by helping others sometimes. And what if Blonsky gets tempted to go back to his own ways and Jen is the one who saves him from it? Like something like that could also be very meaningful. Um, or even if it's not Blonsky, Wrecker or anybody else in the group. Uh, it could be an inter interesting thing to see going forward. But it seems like there's a lot that could be going on. And, and wow, we only have two episodes left because the three days earlier, we see that Josh, he cloned Jen's phone, took a photo of her, texted to the Hulk King and, of course, with an emoji form, communicated that he got the blood. So the bad thing that we heard about, the ominous thing that Banner talked about all the way back in episode one, it's happened. What is this going to mean in episodes eight and nine? I don't know, but I do know they. it seems like they've got a lot of ground to cover in these last two episodes because we're going to have to learn about the truth, at least to some extent, the truth about intelligentsia and who's behind it. They're going to have to go on the attack and Jennifer Walters is, is going to have to defend, uh, defend herself and others. Presumably daredevil is going to show up in this show. Uh, Titania, I don't think is done in this show. So still a lot of pieces just floating out there to be brought into these last two episodes. And I'm very interested, interested to see how they do it. But as far as this last piece with intelligentsia, Yes, it confirms our suspicions of Josh. He was just too good to be true. What a shame. Uh, and we'll have to see him get his comeuppance sometime later on in the series. But then also, uh, who is the Hulk King? I don't know. I like. Could it be Blonsky? Sure. I'm no. still hoping it's the leader. Uh, because, it's 1,000% Because the that's, 
the guy who would refer to himself as the Hulk King, as far as I'm concerned, and as far mm-hmm. as, you know, the comics I've read. Uh, so, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's Dr. Samuel Stearns, Tim Blake Nelson. How involved does he ultimately get in this? I think that's up for some debate or some speculation because we do know he's already set up to be in another major MCU project with Captain America New World Order. So what we can say most likely, well, he's not dying in this show. (laughs) So it's not like She-Hulk is going to find him and and take out the leader uh, for good. That's not going to happen. So uh, I think there will be something else that She-Hulk can overcome while not necessarily being able to fully stop the leader or if she apprehends him, then he's going to be able to get away at some point. Um, But I think it'll probably focus more on Titania. Maybe Abomination comes into it. Uh, But I, I think... I don't clearly with only two episodes left. It's not about introducing and fully resolving the situation for the leader. It's just making that something that's an immediate foil for She-Hulk that she overcomes. That uh, you know also allows the leader to be a bigger thing for the MCU uh, as it goes on. And I think we'll see that Intelligentsia has a lot more targets than just Jennifer Walters probably by the end of the show, which sets up the leader's future. Um, but I, I'm excited because also I'm, I'm pretty sure next week should be Daredevil because I don't think they're saving him for the last episode. Uh, so there's a lot to look forward to immediately uh, next week. And then, of course, uh, the finale in episode nine. Uh, so much going on. But I, I think this series has been so good so far. And this episode was another huge win we have not seen an episode, and I know we've seen like self-discovery episodes, right? Like we've seen uh, mm-hmm. previously on from WandaVision. Uh, we saw the episode uh, of Moon Knight going back through memory lane. That's also something I, I like about it is it, this one, actually, it wasn't the second to last episode. And right. I like that we have we have broken a, a little bit of that formula of this is how we go down memory lane and have our characters discover their themselves, discover their damage and work through it. Uh, that this was just somebody burying their soul in front of a group of strangers, um, you know, strangers that maybe she was guilty of judging initially and then didn't, uh, they did not do the same thing to her, which again, why I hope all that's real. <laughs> so uh, very different way of doing it, but uh, every bit as effective. And and I thought this was a, a great episode. I think this is a sneaky contender as we project to MCU fan awards by the end of the year. Uh, a sneaky contender for for best episode of a series. I, I don't know that it's going to ultimately be my favorite choice, um, but uh, I, I could see this one doing pretty well. It, it, it might have even topped episode one as my favorite of She-Hulk so far, and that's really hard to do because there's no Hulk in this one. But, well, there's She-Hulk, and that still counts. But there's no Banner Hulk in this one, uh, and I still really loved it. I mean, episode four was so great. We've had a lot of really good episodes, uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that this one stands out. Yeah, this episode I thought was my is my favorite. I, I thought it was really well done. It was most entertaining. Um, yeah, this was I just yeah, this is by far my favorite episode, and I, I loved everything about it. There's so much, there's so much heavy lifting. I think from the story standpoint, I think from the greater MCU standpoint, and I just love that it really embraces all the things I, lo- I love about the MCU without being a typical MCU thing. And I think that's what these TV series are trying to figure out. Um, for the most part, Sean, they're they're just trying to figure out how these are different from the films and how they can use it to their advantage without just being, we're all, we're like a movie but longer, you know. It it has to really fit, and I think that again, it haven't been bad by any means, but I feel like with Miss Marvel and I think with She Hulk, they are really starting to kind of I think figure this out a little bit. Like it feels like they kind of they've never been bad, it, but it definitely feels 
Um, Moon Knight hit and miss with me a little bit, but for the most part, I'd say Miss Marvel and She-Hulk are really giving us something different for the MCU. That doesn't feel like they're going for a movie. It's a different feel from completely from the films, and I like that. And I think it's healthy for, I think, the franchise, and I just love the characters they've introduced, and I just love the... This is the type of episodes we're getting because they're not just the typical flair. Um, you know, I want to really say, too, you know, there's lots of really cool stuff here. I really do hope that the the wrecker, Dirk, uh, doesn't get just kind of short shifted. I really hope there's bigger stories for these characters. I love the wrecking crew. I, they're like classic, classic uh, Marvel characters for me. And, I'll, you know, me, I'm a costume guy. I want to see my purple purple uh, head 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 uh, costume whatever for wrecker and give me the crowbar and all that stuff and i'm really hoping that that comes into play uh you know with the intelligentsia and everything it definitely feels that we're going that way um because titania does have some ties with the, the wrecking crew a little bit with the absorbing man it's a little bit so i'm wondering if all those characters are going to be somehow inner you know connected with the intelligentsia as like henchmen and things like that. So I'm I'm still curious that that's all going to be there. I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. But I I did like Rec I do like the fact that that Wrecker is a different, completely different character from the comic books. Comic books, he's just a big like jerk, just a big like yeah, yeah. I'm a big jerk, you know. And Dirk's actually like this, this character is actually funny and like trying, you know. It, it, there's there is some like nuance with them a little bit. So I I did appreciate that. If anyone there's any hardcore Marvel fans that are mad that that is a wrecker, truly the wrecker, and everyone it's not the wrecker I know the comics. You're thinking way too hard of this. Wrecker's not that important. I love the character's look and the aesthetic and that's what I think needs to stay. Everything else I'm good. So but yeah, best episode of Shield by far. I can't wait for next week. Well look, I've long felt that Wrecker lacked and sorely needed radical accountability in the comic books. So yes. I'm glad that that's finally here now, thanks right. to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But that is it for this spoiler review of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 7, The Retreat. Make sure you check out Fan Show Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. That's where we're going to talk about the huge news, the, you know, H-U-G-H news, <laughs> that yeah, Hugh Jackman is back as Wolverine, not done after Logan, in Deadpool 3, and maybe some other stuff. Uh, we will talk about that on Fan Show Plus, in addition to some other MCU news uh, that we couldn't cover in this show because we had a spoiler review to do. So make sure you check that out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Mr. Sean Gerber. Be sure to leave that rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Thanks if you have. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please go and follow, or excuse me, subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Comic Binge. Uh, we have a special He-Man episode coming out next week. We're going to talk about the He-Man comic book connections. So check that out. And uh, yeah, we have some fun stuff. A lot of fun Halloween episodes planned, or themed episodes planned after the He-Man episode. So stay tuned. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.